Welcome into the Fairweather Podcast, where we discuss all things San Diego Loyal Soccer Club. I just want to start by saying that Fairweather Podcast is a proud partner with the Beautiful Game Network. Uh, it's a group of other podcasts and written work. You can find them at bgn.fm for the podcasts and searching BGN written for a lot of the written work. Uh, you find a lot of good stuff, mostly about the USL, but uh, also a few things about MLS. Podcast number two, uh, we want to start out kind of talking about supporter culture, kind of our experience with supporter culture, and then maybe hitting some of the stuff that's happening here locally. So uh, if anyone wants to start out, kind of what your experience with supporter culture is, either uh, locally or uh, through the pubs. Um, yeah. Marissa, you want to kick us off with that? Sure. So uh, if you guys haven't already known from episode one, I'm definitely a gooner and I'm all about the supporters culture. So I'm, I'm all in when it comes to that stuff. Um, but this was a little bit of a different situation. And I think mostly, um, mostly it's because I just don't have a lot of time to devote. And I know once I'm, once I'm in, when it comes to supporters, I want to be all in and uh, spend my time there and, you know, really offer opinions and stuff like that. But I think the supporters culture is a, it's a it's unique I think in San Diego because one we we have like a really laid back type of vibe I think um in general and there's not a lot of like banter in between at least like the English clubs there is a little bit of um crossover in terms of uh like teams you root for but this I think is a little bit different because we have one professional team that we can all root for Um, and I think that that's, what's unique about, um, supporters culture in San Diego. Um, and coming from being like a huge, like American football fan and really kind of finding that identity, I think there's another layer to supporters culture, um, that soccer provides. Um, and that's like game time atmosphere, which I haven't seen in in any other sport and maybe in like college basketball. So that's definitely, there's some parallels between um, how you can be or how people root for soccer is the same as like college basketball. Um, But for um, the Loyals specifically, um, the locals came about, uh, I would say, right uh, right last year, like right after... um, Oops, my messages are not. (laughs) Um, Right after the uh, Soccer City initiative failed, um, there was some somewhat of a supporters culture building in that. Um, It took a little bit of a turn and took political uh, once there was a political thing involved. Um, But once that happened, I think people were already in gung ho to like be part of something bigger here in San Diego. And I've seen, I mean, I'm definitely a member. I'm just part of the locals, um, but I'm not as involved as I normally would be um, just because I like to, I don't want to get too sucked in right now. Like I want to be objective. I want to be able to like enjoy the game without jumping up and down. Not that that's a requirement to be part, to be part of the supporters group, um, but it's, it's just a different way of experiencing the game. And I think that, you know, 
it being a new league for me specifically, uh, I don't feel I can go all in as a supporter, but there are very many people that are there. And some of my uh, good friends are involved with leadership. So um, I'm all in un- in supporting of what they're doing as a supporters group. You do the bar scene for Gooners games? Yes. Oh yeah. Every game. Unless it's like a four thirty game, which is which is difficult to do in the morning. Um, but yeah, I'm there and uh, I'll, I'll I'll watch. I'll I'll hang out with all the Gooners that are here locally. Yeah, um, but there's not. Um, I'm not a chanter. Like I won't like do a lot of chants unless maybe there's a little bit of um, alcoholic refreshments that I'm having, having, then maybe I'll do that. I always felt a little bit weird singing to a TV. It always felt a little bit awkward. I did it for the (laughs) Women's World Cup. It was like a giant crowd, and that was a good time. But uh, what about you, Chris? Do you do the bar scene for any uh, European teams, or you mostly in-person supporters? Yeah, I do the bar scene for the – yeah, no, I do the uh, the bar scene for the Manchester United games. yeah, so we, we will go as far as meeting up at like 7 a.m. And, of course, you know, there's the old uh, the parking lot tailgating that happens at, at 7. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go that early. If it's earlier than that, I think people are just meeting in their own homes until about half. And then people just kind of break down and want to meet up. So, but, yeah, we typically do that. We'll uh, Some folks are like, are, have all the chance, you know what I mean? So what we just recently printed out like all of the uh, all the songs laminated them and things like that so there's a good amount of the chanting going on like the you know a lot of the a lot of the um traditional man you songs that everyone sings and um and for the most part it's pretty awesome because it's like you know obviously when we're home we're at our brewery and then when we're away we'll go to the other team's uh brewery as well and kind of have that same little traditional thing. And, and that was the case even this last weekend. I mean, you know, half of our crew actually stayed behind because, uh, so, you know, Liverpool, man, you played. And so half the crew didn't come because they felt like Liverpool supporters didn't show up. Like only five of them did the first time. So they were, they were staying behind. We all went over to Liverpool's um, bar and it was, uh, <laughs> you know, you couldn't feel any like, you know, it's cool to be there. Everyone was super stoked that we showed up. But, you know, considering that, man, you lost, we got a bunch of pity pats. And, hey, well, it was great that you guys came. And, you know, but, you know, I mean, it was chill nonetheless. So, yeah, the supporters bars, going to the, the group is cool. Going to the uh, the breweries is pretty rad. Um, and and then also in terms of just like USL, I mean, last, last year I did go to some of the watch parties and, that's a pretty awesome time as well. Cause you know, you're all there supporting the same team. And I mean, you have, I guess, I guess it's cool because you're not relegated to like, or not relegated. You're not limited to just like who you sit with normally when you go to games, but you, you know, there's a good blend of people that you maybe normally wouldn't see at a game. So it's kind of a good time to kind of hang out, meet new faces and, and, you know, and that's pretty awesome as well. So. It's definitely what attracted me to the deep end is I wanted to go to soccer's games, but I could never convince my wife to go to like more than one a season. So I was like, well, I'll just get a ticket 
I know they'll be like instant friends in the deep end, which is a supporter group name. And you just go and you have a, you know, a crowd to watch the game with that, you you know, if you're traveling by yourself, you just want to go and you don't have like your friends are out of town or your wife doesn't like soccer uh, or husband doesn't like soccer. Uh, you can, you can, you have these kind of this community to go with and feel part of the game. And the other thing I do like about what the local is doing right now, the official supporter group, uh, independent official supporter group, uh, is they're really trying to make it as open and welcoming as possible. Like if you want to go crazy with the bandanas and the drums and the singing, you can do that. If you want to do like the traditional English fans where it's just the chanting and not about the drums and the megaphones and the more American outlaw style, you can do that. If you want to sit in the main stands and enjoy a game and not have to sit next to drums blaring all the time, you can do that. And uh, they do have they do have membership. You can uh, pay to become a member of the local. There are dues that go to things like the equipment and the paint for the TFOs and maybe some type of flares if we're allowed to do those and it helps and you get some swag you get like a, a scarf uh, you, so yeah. there's a little bit of a trip off so I think Alan was trying to say this you know if you're interested in uh, in checking out what the, the locals are about you know what was their website the locals sg.com well sd hold on let me double check locals sg hold on so they had three scarf choices. Which one did you end up going with? Um, the diamond one. Yeah, see, the diamond one was very nice. I had to go with that that diamond one as well. The localssg.com. So definitely to find out more about the locals, to to, yeah. to look at that membership, you want to go to that website yeah. and check it out. Yeah, they are uh, good people. Shout out to local. And then... Hey, Alan. Am I back? Yeah, you're back. <laughs> yeah, perfect. And then, is you guys want to share a little bit maybe about what supporter being a supporter means to you individually? Like, what does it yeah. look like to you to kind of paint that picture? Oh, good question. Thanks, Alan. Um, I do like the community aspect of being a supporter, um, but I think there's i mean for me i'm new like i said i'm new to the league and and i think fairly new to the game maybe about maybe like 10 years since i watched my first first soccer game so i think it's uh, i would say that it, it you make it what it is right like you can't expect i think things when you're a supporter to like know everything know all the players know the history um, know where to look and find the most current information. But for the most part, people, at least in, on the American side that, I, that I'm familiar with, American soccer fans are willing to share, especially share with those who are like me, like recovering American football fans. You know, like we're, we're all in on ready to like, you know, give our heart and soul to like learning about the game and, and knowing the ins and outs. Um, even if we don't play it. So it's definitely, and I think for me being a woman, it, it's a little bit harder and more intimidating uh, in general uh, to, you know, go to a bar or, or start a conversation with 
uh, a male, and and maybe you guys don't act like that. Obviously, I'm on podcasts, but you know, if if you're new to the game, it, it can be a little intimidating. Like, where do you start? So, I think um, in general, I think this is a this team and what they're building in terms of supporters and what it's doing for San Diego is a good place to start to start learning about it. And, and be curious. I think being curious really helps you learn better because you don't, you're not supposed to have all the answers right away, you know, so. Well, so. I, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of piggyback on that, I mean, being a supporter, I mean, I've had a, a unique vantage point for it last year, obviously, being able to, you know, kind of write on the game and capture experiences. And the times that I did get to really, hang out with the supporters group out here in New Mexico since I'm the unlocal local we'll call myself on this show right um, that's it uh is it, they go all out I mean you know supporters don't necessarily have to have all the garb that the club releases and most of the time they'll make their own uh you know through the season that's one thing we've seen is people making their own flags people making their own contraptions people showing up you have someone draping, you know, the state flag and becoming a character. Like, they let loose, and they, you know, they're able to find, ultimately, uh, what their identity is in the pack. And and, and that's going to be very interesting to see because, uh, you know, at, start, at first, everyone's going to kind of start off the same, and then people are just going to kind of, you know, become their own, like, I don't know, superhero, if you will, and, right. and their own. And their own identity. I mean, you're going to have the uh, the guy in a lucha mask, I'm sure. And then you're going to have, you know, you're going to have, you know, guys rocking like sombreros. I mean, it's going to be whatever it could be. I mean, whatever the area lends itself to. And um, again, it, it's going to be the road trips. Um, you're going to, there's going to be that group, the group of locals that is down to get on the road, you know, or that's down to start up van trips or flights, you know, if, if the club gets into open cup and, you know, is successful, uh, you know, it's not going to be unheard of watching the locals try to figure out how to charter flights uh, to other places. I mean, all this stuff <laughs> I have seen. Um, and, and then just in, in general, uh, uh, you know, I think that the supporters have gone beyond a season, uh, you know, to impact the city. They're, going to create their own events more than likely i'm sure like it'll you know i mean here in new mexico the supporters here they created a they created a float for the christmas parade and they were all on this float and i mean they were they just took the united spirit and ran with it and just kept doing things to impact the city and whatnot so i i think that that's going to be key and that's kind of been my experience with the supporters but i haven't been able to just let loose too much, um, but I have sat some some games or some matches. Why did I say games? Strike me down, Alan. Um, <laughs> I have sat some matches with supporters, and it was a great time, and it was cool to just kind of lose yourself. And so I think it's definitely good to uh, to take yourself out of the out of the realm that we are in, which is like you know blogs and podcasts, and also just go and just enjoy the time with them too as well. So, right. And I think you just modeled something that's great is you're going to call things matches or games or you're going to call them shoes instead of boots or 
jerseys instead of kits. I mean, you're going to learn the jargon and the lingo and don't be afraid to like just hop in with both feet and get involved. I mean, it is what you're going to make it. And I think it's an, a, a fun thing to do. It makes the game maybe a, a little bit different than just normally showing up to like a Padres game. Uh, speaking of the Oh, Alan. The Sockers, am I good? The Sockers uh, yeah, accidentally accidentally announced some players. We're not going to announce them because we don't want to steal that thunder. But if you're a detective on the Twitter machines, uh, there's some information out there about some unannounced players uh, that um, we'll be excited to see them officially announce. Uh, they did move in. They are starting training, so the team is together. Um and the big announcement, we haven't had any huge player that had a big announcement, and that is the official partnership with Adidas. Uh, so there's some... ...about uh, being announced as an Adidas club. Yeah, that's that's awesome for me. I, I just got some Adidas shoes to match my new Adidas jacket from Arsenal. So I'm all for the Adidas. I'm fully <laughs> on board. So yay. Yay for Adidas. <laughs> that's my take on it. But yeah, I mean, I, I saw some, some leaked uh, gear too. So that looked pretty cool. Um, they posted some stuff on Twitter. So that was interesting to see. Um, one that it was Adidas, and uh, I think it's it'll help us uh, maybe get more like casual fans wanting to rock the gear, and it's not some unknown name, so to say. Hey, how down are you guys gonna be for having those three stripes on your right shoulder? Is that a is that a all Adidas or is that just an MLS branded thing? Uh, I've seen. Um, I don't know if it's just MLS, but. I'm wondering if that's going to be kind of the model. Maybe. I'm hoping it's just an MLS thing. I guess that's one of the drawbacks of MLS is you're all franchises, so if they want a kit to look a certain way, they're going to make it look a certain way. Uh, Chris, any drawbacks to having Adidas as a kit partner? Um. Okay, because, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's just going to be this, like, I could. I think the only thing you really care about is that it's going to be unique. You know what I mean? I mean, if it's just like cookie cutter merch, where it's like an Adidas blank, and then they just kind of do this the typical, you know, four finger down like logo placement, and there's no sort of experimentation. I mean, that might be a drawback. But other than that, I mean, you know, it's it's a known brand, and like like Marissa said, it's. You know, when we think soccer, you think in Adidas. I mean, but in this way of the game's going, I mean, you're also there are other brands too. It's not just Adidas, but Adidas isn't bad. I mean, I think that they just have to be able to capitalize on the relationship and you know, at some point be able to grow the partnership more than just, you know, producing the basics, you know. I just don't know how much gear they can get out of it or how much merchandise will be produced for the fans to buy. I've noticed that sometimes they 
they might come out with a couple of more basic designs for the home and away, and maybe it'll be a mid-season release of a third kit. Um, kind of what Orange County did with their orange kits is that didn't start out the season. Um, they kind of brought that in a little bit later, and then those weren't even available for purchase until the end of the season. Uh, so maybe there's some future hope that if the first couple kits are a little bit more cookie-cutter catalog Adidas, Maybe there's like a special kit halfway through the season that gets announced that has a little bit more flair, a little bit more of that Tory green and the, the orange, uh, the I, orange stripes or something. I'm voting yellow. If you can, t if you can't see my, my shirt, I don't know if you can see my shirt, Alan, but I'm yellow. I'm voting yellow. You're voting yellow. Yeah. For the third kit. Hopefully. Uh, that is that yellow or is that like orange? That looks like orange back there. This is this is uh, mustard yellow that I'm wearing okay. right now. <laughs> I just hope it's better than Nashville's yellow kit. That's all I gotta say. Oh yeah, no, yellow. no, not like neon or no, 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 no. I'm talking like a mustard okay. ball yellow. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I don't have... you know, tons of player signings to talk about no. um, which will probably happen next time speaking of next time yeah. we're working on getting a player guest to come in and talk about kind of the happenings behind the scenes and talk about what he's up to uh, so we will keep you guys posted on if that's happening or not but uh, yeah. do we want to get into uh, some of the team highlights at this point yeah the other teams that we're playing yeah, so we've been doing, we're going to be doing kind of a, over the next couple podcasts, we started it last week, highlighting some of the Western Conference teams, talking about where they were, maybe a little bit about where they're going. Uh, it's kind of hard still because, I mean, we've only had, what, 11 player announcements, so it's, sometimes it's hard this early to predict. The MLS draft just happened, guys are still signing, figuring out they have jobs, so it's a little bit hard to predict what's going to happen. Uh, until maybe a little bit later, but we're, we'd like to highlight some of our competition and talk about kind of where they've been. Uh, in this episode, we have three teams that we're going to highlight, uh, and I believe we're starting with Tulsa, correct? Yes, Tulsa. So, um, Tulsa, FC Tulsa, they are now called. Uh, they rebranded in December from Tulsa Roughnecks FC to FC Tulsa. Um, I don't know if you guys knew this, but they uh, got new owners in, in the summer of last year. And then they did the whole focus group thing. They talked to the community and they rebranded, got a new logo, got new colors. They're focusing on uh, gold and white. It's the first club that's like actually using like gold as their main color um and it's uh said to resemble the art deco that's uh existed that exists in tulsa i've never been there so i can't attest to that but um the logo and everything looks kind of like um uh it reminds me of like uh miami, miami vice kind of like the font and all of that. Um, and then they're using pet, they call it, so we have our Tory green, they have patina green, which is like a mint green. And that is uh, set to um, resemble the rooftops in Tulsa. 
So that's, they're all, they're just, they just rolled that out last month. So they're, they're definitely uh, um, working on that as well as player signings. Um, and they also, so they have two notable ones. Uh, Maicon da Silva, I don't know how to say his name, um, but he's Brazilian and he has been playing um, over in Siri Bay or Ah, not Ah, but Bay, like one level down uh, for for quite some time now. Um, and he is going to, he also played for the U23 team um, in Brazil um, when they were in the World Cup qualifying. So he has a lot of experience. Um, and I, I mean, I, I was reading his bio and he seemed really like one of the top, one of their top signings uh, for FC Tulsa. And then um, they also got this guy from um, Energy FC and his name is uh, Byers. I forgot. I didn't write his first, his last name down, but he's. Brian Byers, the goalkeeper. Yeah. Goalkeeper. So he was like the backup at Energy last year. And um, for like his whole entire career, he's played for Oklahoma or like in Oklahoma, he also went to school in Oklahoma. So he's like, he's like their, their hometown guy. Um, and he will right now he holds the men's soccer records for most career wins and most clean sheets, um, at the college he went to, which is in Oklahoma. So he is all about Oklahoma. So it'll be interesting to see if he's like their star again on FC Tulsa. And FC Tulsa uh, will also be playing in the uh, U.S. Open Cup like many other USL clubs. They start um, in the second round, and they will be playing March 24th for the U.S. Open Cup, which actually used to launch um, the Open Cup the first round, or the first matches were like in April. So it's a little bit different this year, and that that is obviously – something we could probably touch on later on if we're talking about um, matches that maybe the loyal will be playing. Um, so that'll be interesting. And then um, they open against New Mexico on March 14th. So we'll be looking at that for sure. <laughs> yeah. They had some struggles last year uh, and didn't do too hot. They were uh, pretty decent at the beginning of the year, um, but definitely struggled to finish well um and they the new owners took over and they've been signing people like crazy uh this winter so they're definitely a team to watch out for they might be some people's pick to see you know kind of the uh, a rising star if you will or a um out of playoff team to make the playoffs this year so they're definitely one to watch and be interested in uh chris anything you've noticed about tulsa this offseason Mm, I mean, just like you said it, I mean, it's just the whole rebranding and just picking up the players. I mean, they had already kind of started. They had already kind of shown some sort of uh, new life once they had gotten those new owners um, towards the end of the, of the last season. I mean, yeah, they were out of playoff contention, but they were still playing for something. Um, and it definitely, uh, you definitely did see that the, that they changed, you know, a little bit of what they were doing. I mean, at the top of the year, they had Luca Lobo that was one of their highest scorers. Um, but I guess towards towards the end of the season, he really kind of quieted down, or I'm not even sure if he finished up the season with them, to be honest. 
um, something I wanted to comment on about the logo when I first saw it <laughs> is I thought it kind of reminded me of LAFC and it might have just been like yeah. the way that the wing was or the positioning <laughs> of the logo. Yeah. Every time I saw like an LAFC and then saw that thing, I couldn't help but feel like there was some similarities to it. So, um, yeah, definitely, I can see that. But I just I, wonder. I if, good. I was gonna say I just wonder if they're gonna be trying to bust out the Midas Touch thing with the touch of gold that they're that they got going on. So. <laughs> I mean, I am a little bit bummed they moved away from Roughnecks. Um, yeah, I mean, there's always like this is a conversation that San Diego was having before the name was launched. Is you don't want just San Diego Football mm -hmm. Club or San Diego Soccer Club. It's like, all right, like there's people who buy into that, and I am not always a huge fan of that. It's like have a little bit of personality, have a little bit of you know, show what your hometown's about. And I think they went with a more visual approach to that than the name. But, I mean, it's a definitely a pretty clean-looking logo. Uh, it is a little LAFC-ish. It is a little bit, like, churchy. That's the right word. Like, it looks like it could be, like, yeah. at the front of, like, some type of church. But, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty clean logo, and it'll look good on some merch. And hopefully, um, you know, the team... It, look, and it looks like LAFC meets Minnesota United meets... Uh, Inter Miami, like all together. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I won't I won't say it, but dare I say it? I think that the banter, the folks who like to banter online, are going to have fun with FC Tulsa. We'll say that. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll be now, Chris. Uh, you were taking a look at uh, OKC Energy. Right. Yeah, so yeah, so I took a look at OKC Energy. Um, right off the bat, uh, they lost twelve. Oh, they they didn't sign twelve. Like some of the players uh, declined their option. Uh, one late season pickup was Derek Gebhard. You know, he was with uh, El Paso Locomotive uh, to start the season, and he he declined his option. Um, another person they had left was or they had lost was uh, Alvin Jones, but Alvin Jones actually transferred. To Real Salt Lake, so that's a good pickup for him. Obviously, moving up, uh, you know, in his career, and then also a really big loss for them. I thought was Deshaun Brown. Now, Deshaun Brown had 15 goals for them. He was obviously their highest goal scorer. He left and he signed a contract with Bangalore FC in the I League, uh, which is the Super Indian League or Indian Super League, rather. Uh, interesting fact, the Indian Super League used to be called National Football League. Huh, interesting. Yeah, that's quite quite interesting, but then they changed to the mm -hmm. I-League. So uh, so they lost to Storm Brown, which is huge. Um, but as far as who returned, they had seven returners initially. Um, big one for them, obviously, their goalkeeper, Cody LaRundi. Uh, and, you know, he was... And I wanted, I didn't have the stats for him, Alan, but I want to say Cody Lerundi uh, had the most uh, clean sheets, I believe. He was one of, or he was one of the top goalkeepers in 2019 season. Yeah, OKC for a minute was, I think OKC and Tulsa were like ro rolling at the top of 
the Western Conference early season last year. And OKC was a lot of people's pick to fare pretty well in the Western Conference last year. It was kind of a surprise to see them out of the playoffs when the team the season was over, especially with a lot of the talent they had on the field. Yeah, and, and so in addition, so they did return other players. Um, yeah, they returned other players, uh, Kyle Highland, um, seven goals for them. He's a defender. Rafael Garcia, six goals. And uh, it was like um, – and then they had they had two more that resigned later on. They had Nikhil Tarabell and, and Christian Abiga. What it was more interesting though is probably going to be some of their new signings. And so they actually signed the four players from FC Fresno. Um, so they're you know obviously with Fresno not being a team this year, you know that was a team that they could certainly go to and and pick up players. And so notable from who they picked up. Uh, they picked up Jaime Chavez, right? He's a forward for Fresno FC, 12 goals with them, you know, and obviously he's one of their scoring threats. And they picked up CJ Cochran as well. So, I mean, he'll be a good two-man, is my assumption, um, behind uh, Lodondi. And they also grabbed players from LA Galaxy. Uh, the name you guys will know uh, is Frank Lopez. So Frank Lopez finished out the season with San Antonio last year. Uh, he had eight goals in 14 games with them or matches with them. Uh, and so, uh, you know, he was a threat for LA galaxy. And so at the middle of the season, they traded or they, they, they loaned them to San Antonio and he did nothing but shine there. So I think that's going to be good for OKC as far as their pickups go. And they grabbed players from, uh, Orange County, they grabbed uh, Joey Miko. Uh, they signed a player from RGV, uh, Rio Grande Valley, uh, Brad Dunwell, a player, another goalkeeper from Lansing Ignite, uh, Kyle Inn, uh, a player from Ottawa Fury, which is Charlie Ward. And then they grabbed someone from Sporting Kansas City. So, I mean, for the most part, they picked up a good amount of players from, from other squads or that have other experience. Um, I don't know. I, I think the, like I said, I think the only thing that really stands out to me is going to be uh, CJ Cochran, Jaime Chavez, and Frank Lopez as far as new additions to that squad that are going to be able to come in and, and ultimately, um, you know, really contribute right away. Yeah, they're another team that I think is might have a little bit of a rebound in them um, for this season as far as, um, I mean, they were kind of, they were, Toward the bottom, I think they were 15th, so not great. But I think that they're a team that, you know, you could pick up a couple more wins and all of a sudden you're talking about, you know, fighting for that 10th playoff spot. Um, so they're not too far away. Uh, so they're going to be another one to keep an eye on as far as, you know, can they pull these guys together and put together a push to get into that bottom half of the Western playoff picture. And then I got stuck with the fun one. With T2, Timbers 2. Hey. Um, and and Portland Timbers 2 is a MLS 2 site we talked about in the last podcast. Uh, not quite as terrible as Tacoma Defiance. Um, and at least the past couple years. A couple years before that, uh, I think they won a total of three games. And then they made the playoffs the next year. Last year, they started out, I think they lost 
two or three games in their first 15, and then they only won two or three games to finish the season. So they were in the playoff hunt. They were looking at maybe a home playoff game, which would have been great for two-side. Um, but, you know, their, their season kind of fell apart and um, didn't put together too many wins at the back end. And, you know, the way the playoff structure works is if you're not getting hot at the end of the year, there's a really good chance you're not going to survive into the playoffs. Um, you might not be the best team early, but uh, Portland Timbers, too, uh, they have a pretty decent fan response for being a two-side. I think they average just under 2,000, which is significantly better than, you know, your Tacoma Defiance or your formerly known as Swope Park Rangers or Red Bulls, too, who pull, like, maybe their family members and then, the like, their girl they're dating at the time, so they have, like, eight people in the stands. Um <laughs> I didn't, I, they, they play at the same home as Portland Timbers, so it's a really fun away trip because uh, the stadium is super nice. It's in a great location in Portland. So if you're thinking about a nice, inexpensive road trip, uh, you can usually get tickets really cheap because they include them in their season ticket package for their main team. Uh, so if you plan it right, uh, you can go up and maybe catch a Saturday Timbers game and a Sunday T2 game. Um, you might pay a pretty penny for the Portland Timbers, the main team, okay. uh, but you're going to get a pretty good deal for the T2 game. And uh, I saw them in Los Dos. I paid a total of $4.50, for in, including fees for two tickets. Wow. Um, wow. So it's worth a trip if you've never been to Portland. Uh, you might have, you know, if you want to check out a loyal game, it might be a little bit more expensive. Um, but uh, it's a fun environment. It's a great stadium. Uh, if it's not a back-to-back game, usually people show up and show out. Um, maybe not a huge fan, like traveling fans, but um, they're going to be competitive. They're almost always competitive. Um, but I think, you know, T2 usually sits just outside the playoff picture most years. Uh, sometimes they might sneak in at the bottom, uh, finishing like eighth or ninth. Some years they're going to fall a little bit further than that. Uh, their roster is pretty much just Portland players um, that they have for their kind of almost like a U23 team almost. Um, you might catch them on a good weekend and they might take a win off of you. Um, or you might catch them on a bad weekend and you might drown some four to, four to nil. Um, so they're kind of one of those ups, up and down, depending on how the big club goes. If they need tons of players, they're going to lack depth and not be successful. If uh, Portland Timbers are having a good season and not a lot of injuries, they might be a stronger side. So it's one of those um, people think that they're, they do well. They're going to do well as far as be competitive, but probably not going to win the West. Do you guys have anything you want to share that you might know about T2? Uh, I don't know anything. I'm new to this, <laughs> Alan. I'm learning. <laughs> yeah, she to it. No, I, I think you captured it for the most part. I mean, you know, when when Timbers was making their run, uh, when, the, when the, the MLS side was making their run, obviously – you know, when they needed players, I mean, they did scoop up the best players for T2. Uh, but in some instances, you know, if the span of time was was dis- had enough distance between it, 
they came right back. So I guess depending on how T2 or T, depending on how Timbers is doing to T2 will determine really with the Loyals what whether or not you're going to get, I guess, get that win or not. It's, it's kind of what you're saying. I mean, as far as them being able to scoop a win off of you, it's, you know, if, if Loyals are doing good, you know, then you're probably not really too worried about Timbers 2. Um, but Timbers 2 is a team that um, they, they're high on chance creation. They're actually very good with uh, set pieces. Uh, that was something that they was one of their strengths last season. And, and not too many teams could defend the set piece. And they also had a lot of, a lot of height uh, in their front, in their front three. So, I mean, you really, that's something you really have to look at with Timbers too, is like how well that they can actually execute on their chance creation. Now there is a roster freeze toward the end of the season. So, which is something to keep an eye on as far as if you're watching them for that playoff picture is that there is a time where they can't send people down anymore um, or pull people. I guess they can pull people up. They just can't send them down. So it's something to kind of keep an eye on as far as where they are toward the end of the season. Um, and I'm sure we will kind of cover that when we get to that point of the season. Um, mm-hmm. Anything that uh, that has happened since the last pod that we kind of want to throw in there, either uh, loyal related or USL related that you want our listeners to be aware of? Well, last episode we talked about the the leaked uh, preseason, but I think they've officially made it made it uh, official, officially official um, since we last <laughs> talked. Um, I think on March twenty eighth we played the Cholos, right? I think that's that right, correct. right? Yeah, yeah. so yeah. that'll be exciting because I know there's a lot of crossover with the Cholos fans and and people that have adopted the new team. So I wonder how that atmosphere will be if, if it's like going to be people that are Sholos fans that normally cross the border and watch them and they're going to root for the Sholos, or is it going to be loyal heavy? <laughs> and, you know, so it'll be interesting to see. They came up to Orange County in LA last year and they showed up for Orange County. Like they, they were surprised at how many Sholos fans made the trip. Uh, mm. up to OC so it's even closer so it should be a yeah. pretty fun atmosphere they're probably only going to send their kids like you're going to see numbers like 305 or whatever they right. like to do right. in Liga Mekis so you're not going to get the first team you're going to get yeah. some of them I think you're going to see some of the first team like they might play you know 30 minutes 40 minutes mm-hmm. uh, but they're definitely going to bring the kids which will be fun because those kids might end up being loaned to the loyal at some point so you might be seeing some future players that you can kind of scout ahead of time. Um, yeah, they. I know they have a couple dates in February. I know they're going to go on the road to Reno. Um, there's a couple. There is one date on there that says close to the public, so don't try to go to that one. Um, <laughs> what date so, is that? Yeah. Let me put it in my calendar. I think it's the first one. It's like February, <laughs> like the first weekend of February. It's in down in Chula Vista, the training center. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. These are... These are called like closed door games. Um, they do these from time to time for training purposes. Uh, a lot of times it's because there's like a trialists. 
So there's people that they can't announce that they're there on the team officially. Uh, and they want to kind of keep some of those things under wraps. Uh, yeah. So they're, from time to time, you'll see those close to the public events. Uh, it's not like they're sneaky. They're just uh, logistical and control things yeah. uh, that they don't, don't want things in the public. So I have but the... Definitely check out... I have the official schedule. It's February 2nd versus FC Dallas at Chula Vista. February 8th at Cal State Fullerton. February 22nd um, at Torero Stadium. And for, for bleh, February 29th, which only happens every four years, um, at Reno, 1868. That's and that's a, fun away, that's a pretty fun away trip. Uh, Reno's a pretty good place. Um, check out a game it's not too bad to get to not too bad to get back uh so if you're hankering to make road trips before the regular season reno's a, a pretty good one to hop on yeah um, definitely chris anything you want to highlight uh no I, what i would add to the Cholos game is that i mean even out here in new mexico you know the fans are like Definitely, like, they're they're ecstatic for that friendly for uh, loyal, but they at the same time would love to have uh, a because they're Liga MX, right? Yes. So they they would like to have a Liga MX uh, exhibition versus having the like last year they had Cardiff City uh, from what was now the EFL and. Uh, you know, and then they had obviously other Western Conference teams, but but a lot of fans were like, "Wow, that's really cool." Loyal got got a Liga MX team because I mean the fans here really do probably associate more with Liga MX than they do uh, EPLs. So so that, that definitely I could say the presence felt elsewhere is that, and then people are also obviously looking forward to getting out there for the Loyals match and their ecstatic that it's in a holiday weekend um the only thing else i would add is that i think it'll be interesting to see the result of that reno 1868 game uh against loyal um you know loyal obviously uh or we'll say reno obviously you know i will get to it obviously as we get to the recaps but I, I i'm interested to see that matchup more or less just player personnel considering you know Yeah, I, right. I want them to start playing. I want to see some practices or something so we can start <laughs> analyzing what they're doing and do some more right. research on the players. <laughs> For sure. Uh, so, Marissa, where can we find you out there in the internet world? Yeah, so if you want to interact with me, I manage, you know, the FairPod uh, Twitter, which is scrolling on the bottom right now. Uh, but if you want to talk to me, I'm at Hashtag Marissa um, everywhere. Instagram, LinkedIn. No, not LinkedIn. Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, and uh, and Facebook. You'll find me. Um, yeah. And Chris, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me at by Chris Walker on Twitter and on Instagram. This is yours by Chris Walker. 
Uh, you can find me at a underwood 48 on the Twitter machines where I mercilessly troll Phoenix fans about indoor soccer stats to drive them crazy. <laughs> banter, banter, banter. Oh, we banter, do have a, banter, banter. We do have a question from Drew, who is the vice president uh, of the locals. Uh, all right. Uh, What's up, Drew? Uh, um, is fin- is Phoenix still the best team in the West, or the- do they just think they are? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I think that they got deeper. I don't know if they got better. Um, I would not be surprised if Phoenix does not win the West this year, because I think their focus is going to be on a deep playoff run, and I have a feeling that they're not going to be as focused on a 20-game win streak. Uh, I think that they're going to be happy with, you know, maybe a top three finish. Um, and there's a, actually a great article on BGN written by uh, a Phoenix uh, supporter on why Phoenix might not win the West and why that might be a good thing for them. So you want to head over there. Uh, but they definitely have kind of the the idea that they are the best team in the league and definitely their fans act like they are. Uh, so um, they're definitely been pretty consistent the past couple of years as far as being one of the better teams in the West. Uh, and they definitely have earned those bragging rights. Uh, but that doesn't mean we don't treat them like they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> oh, okay. um, uh, I'm looking forward we, to it. <laughs> And then we do live stream. If you're listening to us on the podcast, we do live stream. Uh, So we invite you to follow along, uh, send in your questions, uh, or add some uh, responses that we can get to, and we will gladly include you in our podcast, uh, time permitting. Yes. Uh, So once again, uh, Fairweather Podcast wishes you a great soccer week. Hopefully your non-American teams are doing well in their competitions um, and we will see you guys next time. Bye everyone. Thank you. Later guys. Don't forget to hit subscribe. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. You can find other podcasts on bgn.fm.